0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. My name's Clive and you have got me on your own for this week. I've found myself in a rare opportunity where I've got a spare hour or so um, before I do another podcast, a normal one, and I thought it would be a good time to do a canned episode to have in the bag for a rainy day. And since I'm not really able to talk about 205 Live with my partner in crime, Ricky, I'm going to take this time, this episode, to to devote time to talk about 205 Live, basically. Um, As you know, I do columns for 205 Live that you can read on either socialsuplex.com or lordsofpain.net. I've been doing that since mid-March or so, and I thought, time to vocalise my opinions a wee bit. Usually I'm just writing about it and have the fleeting discussions about what's going on on 205 Live, but I'm going to just talk about it for... a wee bit of your time, if that's all right with you. Now, the question that I want to ask is: How has Two Hundred Five Live been since WrestleMania? Leading up to WrestleMania, since roughly just around the Royal Rumble time, when Enzo Amore vacated the title due to his release from the company, they had the Cruiserweight Tournament to crown a new champion at WrestleMania. We all know how good that Cruiserweight Tournament was. We're dishing out really good quality matches most, like basically every week. What was good about that? Well, that was what was good about it that you had the story was the cruiserweight tournament. Basically, there wasn't much of a reliance on story because there was so much focus on the tournament and knockout phase and stuff like that. So, what have the stories been like since then? And has has the quality waned at all? I wouldn't say the quality's waned. I think you're still getting top quality matches every week. Need enough every week to close out the show in the main event. Or you've got the tag team, sort of tag team matches that you have that open the show. Now, these tag team matches, whether it's multi man, sorry, whether it's six man or tag team, just normal tag team, they're all well and good. They're enjoyable to watch and it's good use of the roster that they have. There aren't many people on the roster, so using them up like this is beneficial for all involved. But I have to ask myself now, there were rumours of uh, cruiserweight tag team titles being introduced just around WrestleMania time and it looked like this was going to be the case because of all the tag team matches they were having. you have set up a firm and clear and concise stable in Lucha House party who have battled it out with Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami. Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher were a team and now it looks like we're going to be having a sort of ongoing feud with Buddy Murphy and Tony nice So, as I say, this is a canned episode. Whenever it gets released, I'm not sure yet. But at the time of recording, we've just had the match between Noam Dar and TJP and Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa. So if you just want to put yourself in that time zone. So we've got all these tag team matches going on. As I say, they are good. But it's coming to the point now where they're fighting over nothing at the moment. There's nothing nothing at stake apart from pride. Nothing wrong with fighting for pride, but I feel as if it's it's almost a waste of the characters if they're all they're doing is just fighting in tag team matches all the time, swapping opponents like f- using singles matches between the two. Like for instance, Calisto and Tony Nice. I'm sure we'll see Calisto and Buddy Murphy again in the near future. Now they did have a cracking match the week before WrestleMania, so. It's so again. It's not the match quality that's the problem here. It's just the uh, why we're we doing it. There was a did the rumours where the cruiserweight tag titles, and then the way they were shaping things up. All these feuds that the literal house party are having seem to blow off in six-man tags of some description. So I was thinking maybe we're going to get some sort of six-man tag titles like a trio's championship. But again, there's just been nothing for it. I'm not sure why that's the case I think it would help things immensely and even if it was to give it to the Lucha House Party who in the grand scheme of things I'm not a massive fan of their wrestling is top notch the Luchador style something I'm really enjoying Grand Metalik, excellent Lindsey Dorado's got a really good offence as well Kalisto um, WWE's version of Scrappy Doo, he's not bad but these uh, noisemakers in the lucha chants, it's almost as if these guys are the heels, the way they're acting, very brash and in your face, and it's, it's just downright annoying, is what it is. So, while I'm not a big fan of them, even if they were just, if there was some form of tournament or a rivalry with another team lasted for a certain amount of time, then if they were to be crowned as the Trios Champions, I'd be all for that. As long as it got, if it had some legs, and somewhere down the line it changed hands, or they even included more people in the roster. You've got a lot of people in NXT who might not get to the dizzying heights of the likes of Alistair Black, EC3 and so on. So there's plenty of folk in NXT you could call up. You could have shared universe stuff with the upcoming UK brand. Plenty of under... £205 folk in the UK shows that we've seen so far. You've also had people from the UK show involved as well. You've got Mark Andrews who was in the tournament. You have Flash Webster Morgan not my favourite but not bad as well. Joseph Connors James Drake there's quite a few there that you could easily use. So what I would like to see is some sort of system where there is a trios championship or just a multi-man tag championship of some description for the old tag team scene in 205 Live. One of the success stories from this tag team division stuff has been the breakup of Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami a few weeks ago, which resulted in a blow-off match. Itami won that. And since then, Itami has inserted himself into the main event picture. Uh I think I've said it a few times before. I've really struggled to get on board with the deal with Tammy. There's something about his offence that just seems to not gel well with the WWE, that sort of Western style. It's, over time, like, there have been excellent matches he's had. Like, there was the Tyler Breeze series he had with, with the Tammy in NXT. Um, that injury that he had in 2015, 2016, that put a big, big dampener, dampener on his progress through the company. So I think that's probably something that's made him maybe bitter. Maybe bitter's not the right word. But it's left him frustrated with how he's progressed so far. But with what's been happening with Itami recently on 205 Live, it's been good to see. I really enjoyed his match with Cedric Alexander last week for the title. Where Itami was dominant throughout it. He had a lot of the character going on. The show me respect stuff. I really like how he's hypocritical with his demands for respect because he does nothing but slap his opponents like sort of your open palm slap to the face and whenever his opponent comes back at him and sort of corners him he sort of scurries away and tries to stay away from danger himself. So he's playing that cowardice role quite well even though he's in your face at the same time. His use of the rings I'm enjoying as well he's tying up, like taking apart the turnbuckle padding, using that to his advantage, showing that he's a dirty player as well I'm starting to really enjoy his moveset now he's had to change his finishing move and stuff like that because at the start of his 205 Live career I think it was actually Christmas Day he took out Brian Kendrick's orbital bone and it looks like he's not allowed to use the go to sleep finisher anymore which is a shame so he doesn't seem to have a sort of definitive finisher at the moment and I think a definitive finisher is something that sets people apart it helps them I mean who hasn't got a definitive finisher you've got a very small list of people Um, but one of his signature moves, the hesitation drop kick using that with the unprotected turnbuckle or with the stairs it's working well and I think Itami's inclusion in the main event scene has helped because it seems to have just been two or three people for the last few months now and Alexander Murphy and Ali, Mustafa Ali. So seeing him in the scene, I'm all for it. More than happy to see him there. And I hope that we get to see more Itami matches in the future. At the time of recording, we have a match next week. It's Itami, TJP, Gulak and... Mustafa Ali himself in a Fatal 4-Way. There's very clashing styles, styles there. So that'll be interesting to see who comes out on top of that one. One of the other tropes that's been used regularly and for a while I thought was being used far too frequently was the, the good old squash match in the middle of the show where you'd have quite a few of your mid-carders sometimes higher up the card but mostly mid-carders would be given some local jobber fed to them and they would destroy them in a matter of minutes. It worked for some people's advantage. I remember it came off quite well when Rich Swann and TJP had their sort of best friends, better enemies rivalry going on, and they used a jobber in a beat-the-clock sort of competition, so stuff like that's been interesting. More recently, we've had Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa scout each other in respective matches in their jobber matches. Um... So the sort of being scouted or watched by either of those guys has put Tozawa and Rush off their matches, not not to the point of defeat, just they're a wee bit wary. So using that to the advantage, most recently was Drew Gulak, who had Danny Garcia in his crosshairs, and it was a clothesline, a horrendous sort of back driver, and his Gulak Dragon Sleeper. It, it killed the guy in about ten seconds. And this is just a week after Gulak said, I'll be keeping a close eye on who wins between Atami and Alexander. So he made his message very well, very well known. He's got his sights set in the Cruiserweight title. And I'm more than happy. I think it's well, well overdue for Gulak to be involved in that scene. He's got his cohorts with him and Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick. No offence to Gulak, but they've been pretty quiet since they involved Gulak in their... Their sort of campaign, their crusade through the, the division. Brian Kendrick is one that I blew hot and cold with for a while, but I got on board with what him and Jack Gallagher began to do. They were a good tag team, good foils for the Lutra House Party. Um, Kendrick is good on the mic. I, I liken him to Bray Wyatt in terms of he tries to get under the skin, into the mind of his opponents with sort of psychological warfare. And sometimes, like, it does work to his advantage. So he's not got that, but at the same time, well, it works to his advantage, he comes out the loser quite a lot of times, just like Bray Wyatt himself. Jack Gallagher, much prefer him as a face, baby face. We saw his match against Zach Gibson in the UK tournament at Royal Albert Hall. Fantastic match that he had there. He's it's just, it's just such a likeable fellow, good old Jack Gallagher. Um, but, he does have an offence that would make you think he can do some damage so if they're going to keep him heel then fair enough. But the point I was trying to get across there was two really good characters but they seem to be hiding behind Gulak. Gulak is obviously the, the leader of that faction so it's natural that they wouldn't get as much tea, like, sort of mic time. But I would say that maybe their stock has fallen just a tad because of that. The that's one of the things that you notice with 205 Live, you've only got a certain amount of TV time a week, limited roster, 10 to 15 at the most regulars so the ones that are there they're going to be, it depends on how they're used I know there's booking, long term story booking, but some people's um, stock can fall just like Akira Tazawa's. now this guy was a cruiserweight champion at one point, this was a guy who defeated Neville when Neville was on his tear in 2017 So Tazawa has been on the receiving end of losses against, god Lucha House Party Hideo Itami, more recently Leo Rush. One of the things I have noticed is that he keeps going for his top rope senton bomb. Don't know the exact name of the, the finisher that he calls it but the senton bomb, he regularly goes for it and regularly has to come down off the turnbuckle because the opponent's savvy to what's going on so I wonder if that's just a sort of match-by-match take on what they're doing or if maybe with Tozawa losing so many feuds recently is this some sort of story that they're going to go into? Again, you've only got one hour of TV a week. How are they going to fit that in? But I think it would be time for Tozawa if they had that time to reassess what he's going to bring to the company, not the company, kayfabe what he's going to kayfabe bring to the table to see if he can reinsert himself into the championship scene. One wrestler whose stock sort of rises and falls as the months go on is TJP. He's had quite an interesting story going on, actually, when you think about it, where he thinks he's bigger than 205 Live. He disrespects Drake Maverick, the general manager, on a regular basis. He basically called out Paige and Kurt Angle saying, I'm going to keep a close eye on the GMs of Raw and Smackdown, see if they're willing to take me on. Drake Maverick's having none of it so TJP was one of those guys that was in regular jobber matches but it worked to his advantage in that it's one of those ones where I think they, they make good use of their time in 205 Live But basically TJP cut a promo about how he's been disrespected in, in the roster in the TV show and how he deserves better opportunities but in between his sentences he's laying out he's the jobber jobber of the week can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head Um just destroying them with his really, let's for, not forget TJP might come across as an arsehole very petulant, childish um just basically like a spoiled brat but he's a dangerous wrestler when he wants to be, dojo trained as well, he's got an array of submissions under his belt that he can use at any time, detonation kick It's quite, quite the arsenal he's got on him so He was basically laying out this guy in between the promo. I thought that was a really good use of time on the show and a good message for how TJP should be dealt with a bit more seriously. What's happened recently is Noam Dar has returned from injury and Noam Dar basically squashed TJP in about half a minute last week or a couple of weeks ago and this week TJP got the win back. But this was a TJP I like where... They put the spoiled brat persona to the side for just a wee while, and he just goes to town on his opponent. Like, obviously, you are going to go, especially if you are a heel, you are going to go for your opponent's recently, recently sort of recuperated body part. And he went for the knee inverted knee bar finisher and talked it big time after the match had finished as well. I prefer that TJP, and I think it would be good if they sort of if they lasered in more on his dangerousness. I mean, it, looked, it worked wonders for Drew Gulak. He'd, he'd went off the boil just a tad. Not in terms of fan loyalty or anything like that, just he wasn't where he used to be. I think he might have been damaged with the booking that was going on with Enzo Amore at the time, but Drew Gulak's come back. He's, I know, well, he is a bit nonsensical. No, He's more no-nonsense than he was. He's dangerous. He's... He's a legend, we all know Drew Gulak's a legend Drew 05 Live Um, something like that for TJP would be nice I think so I'm just having a look through the rest of the roster here and this probably will be quite a short show as I'm just going through the roster I've mentioned a few of the people already and there will be a few that I will be leaving till last because I've got a bit more to say about them Um, you'll probably know who those folk are but I'll just go through the names. There's one person, I'm not sure what's happened, whether he's injured, whether create, quote unquote, creative don't have anything for him, but Aria Davari Di has disappeared from sight, nowhere to be seen. Curiously enough, the last time he was spotted, as far as I can recall, was the Greatest Royal Rumble, where him and Sean Davari came out and cut a promo, which didn't go down too well, and Davari had to do some sort of apology because of his Iranian descent basically uh, I mean, obviously it's not a punishment it's not his fault but I don't know why he's not getting used so if anyone does actually know and if anyone has seen Divari can you please report to me and receive an award so right I've discussed Tozawa, Divari Kendrick Jack Gallagher Brian Kendrick have said Grand Gran Metalik these guys, the sort of Lucha house party guys, they do bring something to the table individually as well. Grand Metalik, good good wrestler. Really, he is like very good on the ropes, king of the ropes. But this is one of those ones where, unfortunately, a mask does stop him from having much of a character. And although there's been this debate about what kind of two hundred five live we should be getting, whether it's just high flying, um. All flips and no selling. Shout out to Rich there, but the there's no secret. This to this cruiserweight division is very character based, and Grand Metalik doesn't have a character as such. I don't know if everyone needs a character, but it doesn't get used that much. He's he's just he's more sort of the silent one in the Nutra House Party. I mean, I'm looking up Wikipedia here. His real name is unknown, according to the wiki site for it. I probably should know that myself, but I don't. So that's like, there's not much information for me here. Lindsay Dorado, I do like him. He's very, he's a bit more slight compared to Kalisto, but he's got an excellent moveset. I really enjoy his work. I remember Dorado and Mustafa Ali had a screamer of a match in the Cruiserweight Classic a couple of years ago. Some unbelievable moves in that one. Um, So, Lutra House Party. This is one of those ones where, on a much smaller scale, Lucha House Party are in that New Day zone where they're stuck as a team, even when they're in singles action. They've got their team by their side, and they've got. Their, in fact, there are quite a few similarities with the whole Noisemakers and being very vocal at ringside, just like the New Day. So, but what are they going to do when they've? Are they going to branch out? Are they going to go for singles titles even though there aren't much on 205 Live? It's hard to say. We've got Tony Neese here. He's an interesting one who I think would actually be quite a good baby face. He's got his stick where he counts his abs on the way to the ring. He does bicycle crunch kick things when he's kicking his opponents in the rope. He's obviously very sort of almost Lex Luger based doing the whole exercises during his offence but there's just something about Tony nice that I think I thought they were actually going to turn him face when Drew Gulak annihilated him during the championship tournament that they had before Mania it seemed as if that was going to be the case but nothing really came of it, he's still a bad guy but what I am excited about is Nice teaming up with Buddy Murphy um, coming up with these tag matches that they'll have with the Lucha House Party, I think Tony Nice has got an excellent move set I really like his moonsaults. His running Nice is excellent as well. There's just he's quite compelling to he's quite a compelling guy to have in the ring basically. As for niece's soon to be partner, this is when we're getting into the meat of the conversation, Buddy Murphy. Wow, what a few months Buddy Murphy has had on two oh five live. He was dare I say it a bit of a laughing stock on NXT even from Kayfabe, where he was a tag team champs with Wesley Blake. But, I mean, their manager, Alexa Bliss, was more over than Blake and Murphy. But since he became a sort of surprise entrant in the tournament, one, I've said this a few times, there's only literally one match I can think of that had maybe a dud, dud's a strong word, but his first tournament match with Aria Divari, I can't remember much about it, if I'm being honest with you so maybe I would have to go back and have a look at that one but since then, Murphy has knocked it out of the park on numerous and I mean you're talking maybe double figures occasions here he's had four matches with with Mustafa Ali, one of them was called off because of Tammy interfered but the series with Mustafa Ali uh, I would maybe maybe say, see from like a story standpoint a story standpoint, Drew Gulak and Mustafa Ali have had the best rivalry in 205 Live. Maybe closely followed by Neville and Austin Aries last year. But Ali and Gulak have had an amazing rivalry. That's like the sort of yin and yang. But see in terms of just wrestling quality, I don't know if you'll find better matches this year anyway between Ali and Murphy. Stunning matches. They've all been very different. They have had callbacks to instances where someone's been sort of tangled up in the ropes Um, whether it's someone escaping from the ropes in time or it's the other person that's caught in the ropes the next time, so the ropes have been a sort of ongoing story between these guys and the no DQ match they had a few weeks ago, excellent use of the stairs um, just excellent use of the furniture and the environment around them, I really appreciated it, It felt like a, a different it felt like a different no DQ match, because you had the cruiserweight thing going on there. But Murphy's also had other excellent matches with that Kalista one they had. They killed each other big time the week before WrestleMania. Buddy Murphy's also been involved in some excellent multi-man matches. I remember a Fatal 4-Way he had. He wasn't a standout in that match. I remember TJP being the standout. But it's just, it's a joy to watch. Uh, his title shot that he had with... Alexander, a while ago, was excellent as well. I struggle to say a bad word against Buddy Murphy. There was that strange scenario where he was cut, like, cut from the roster because he was overweight, so to speak. It was a strange one, and I don't know why they didn't pull the trigger on it at the time. Maybe they were just trying to prolong their story development, or again, this was one of those ones where Buddy Murphy, if he was going to compete against Alexander it would have been at the Greatest Royal Rumble Murphy was nowhere to be seen at the Greatest Royal Rumble so I'm thinking why what if uh, is there another thing here that's going on where somebody isn't going to Saudi Arabia I don't know, don't want to go down that road anyway but Murphy I would say my my favourite wrestlers of 205 Live vary from week to week but I would definitely put Murphy in my top three actually um, the other one would be Gulak but I have talked about him already so it goes without saying that my favourite is Mustafa Ali he has been for a long long time he was just used as a sort of entertainment person of the show back in 2017 he had a fleeting glance of a match with Neville the Raw after WrestleMania one year where as usual the crowd shat all over it but they had an unbelievable match that night but Mustafa Ali's series with Gulak last year was stunning. Their rivalry continues still to this day. It's one of those ones. I don't think it'll ever end. It's just that good. His um, series with Mustafa Ali's been excellent. The only one that I thought was a dud, funnily enough, was Cedric Alexander at the Rumble. That felt. I don't know why. Maybe it was just. Drake Maverick said before that WrestleMania, please, please watch this show. And then it was twelve minutes with Ronda Rousey adverts spliced in and when the pre-show I just didn't enjoy the match at all really and it was a shame because this was a match that had been looked forward to for what, 10-12 weeks and it just fell flat and I think they sort of struggled, not just Ali, not just Alexander but they struggled to get back to the sort of very good telly that they were having on a weekly basis for a couple of weeks or so um, but Ali During the tournament, he had this social media campaign, as it were, where he was shooting his own videos. It looked like he had John Landis on cue for some Michael Jackson-style feature-length music videos. Really, really good. Would Would have been excellent if they did stuff like that more with Ali. He's clearly got a creative mind of his own, and you would assume that if Triple H is indeed in charge, then they would give them a bit more creative licence with how they want to portray the characters themselves. So something like giving him more time to work on his own things would be better. And I really don't... Gulak, obviously everyone loves Gulak and wants him to be the champ, but I think they really missed a trick with Ali not winning the title at WrestleMania. One of the things that's maybe used a bit too much with Harley is he gets beaten from pillar to post within an inch of his life half the time but he's always able to whip out a Tornado DDT and then his 054, the inverted 450 splash. I don't mind that. It can be used a bit too often and we saw it recently again with Cedric Alexander getting his ass handed to him by Itami, and he just whipped out a lumbar check out literally out of nowhere. It was actually against momentum and all sorts, but Ali, I think that would have worked more if he was a champion, and he's not the champion, and it's been given to Alexander instead, and okay, he's defended the title three times since WrestleMania, but he's pretty much non-existent on the show. He comes up, he turns up now in a game, he does have good matches, don't get me wrong, they're not. They're, they are decent matches. The ones you had with Murphy, Itami, the one with Kalista was all right. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of that because I just didn't watch the Greatest Royal Rumble. But there's just something not right about Alexander. I think he needs, in this 205 Live, which is very focused on character work, he needs to work on his a bit more. He just sort of shouts, shouts about the ring. And I'm not a fan of just a shouting in the ring. I w- I wish we got more from him. He's very dynamic, very powerful, but there's something missing from him. And with him not being on TV as much, they've clearly got more and they've get more interest in setting up the number one contenders for Ali, sorry for Alexander, than they do for like actually having title matches. So it's kind of like a challenger of the month between the number one contender guys rather than Alexander. Defending more often than not, look what you had with Neville. It was somewhat. This was obviously a different time where two hundred five live was being defended at pay per views, but Neville was defending the title a lot more frequently than Alexander has been. And I think with Alexander needing a bit of work, not even backstory, just something more to sink your teeth into rather than just decent matches. The with him not being on telly that much. It's not worked out. I'm not. This is one of the things that I've been enjoying less about Two Hundred Five Live as Alexander is the champion. And if they do get a match at SummerSlam, whoever the number one contender may be, I hope that, whoever it is, whether it's Gulak or Ali or Murph- whoever it is, I want Alexander to lose the title now, and that's a shame. Because he has been there since the start. He was in the Cruiserweight Classic. He had a really good match with Kota Ibushi uh, in the quarters. Such a good match that legend would have you believe that he was signed as a result of that. So, he is, he's basically, like, obviously not the right word for it, but he's a 205 live veteran. But, all he's got in his arsenal uh, is the big dynamic moves. I want to see something else from him. So, Give us a new tramp, please. The last thing I want to address is... ...205 Live is basically in its own bubble once again. Like They're not on Raw anymore. They're not mentioned by the other sort of commentators as such. Definitely its own entity. And I wonder if anyone who's listening thinks... ...they should be brought back into the fold and appear on Raw again... ...or on Smackdown. Or given matches at more of these dual branded pay-per-views I know it's dual branded and not trio branded but you you know where I'm coming from and I've been giving it some thought, there's a lot of ill will towards the main roster at the moment, some of it's merited, some of it isn't but I think the main roster needs to fix itself first before it includes some of these characters that I have grown to love over the last year or so and I'd, I'd rather they just stayed away from it for the time being But what I would like to see is, and it would be quite interesting because there's been quite a lot of swapping talent, shared universe stuff going on between NXT, NXT UK with Mustache Mountain coming back and forth and 205 Live in NXT with um, the likes of Roderick Strong coming over and coming in for the Cruiserweight tournament. So I think, see all these fringe shows that you've got, your 205 Live, both the NXTs, I think it would be interesting if they sort of they appeared here and there on these shows as well. I definitely think the 205 Live would benefit from having more inclusion with NXT, especially if they had some sort of title match with I don't know I'm trying to think, like say Johnny Gargano once he gets past his sort of self-indulgent Whoa, feel sorry for me stuff that he's got going on at the moment that might not go down well. I know he's a popular guy but Say, for instance, he gets a title shot and that was at Full sale. I think that would do wonders for 205 Live. Um, should it move to Full sale full-time? I don't know. I don't know how lucrative that is because I'm not sure how the monetary side of things works with NXT, especially Full sale. They booked three, two three weeks in advance. Can they go another two weeks and do it that way? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's one of those if-if questions. But I think they need to decide what they're doing pretty soon because before we know it it will be October 2019 and that is when we know that SmackDown Live is moving to Friday nights as part of this super billion um, Fox TV deal. At the moment, 205 is filmed after SmackDown Live on USA. Um, Will that be the case come October 2019? I have not got a Scooby Doo, but I don't think it. My opinion is that it won't happen, and it's got me a wee bit concerned for the future of 205 Live. Just need to wait and see what happens with that one. So, I think that is it for me in this sort of State of the Union address, State of 205 Live address. I'm sort of stealing an idea there from the doc, Chad Matthews, who does State of the Union addresses for Raw and SmackDown. But I thought it's since I do these columns. Most of the time they are sort of rigid in the reporting of them, but I thought I'd just give you an insight into how I feel about 205 Live at the moment. I'm still enjoying it. I'm not going to say it's the best programme on WWE TV at the moment, because as far as I'm concerned, NXT has been killing it, like, supremely since New Orleans, especially. Um, But in terms of consistency, booking that makes sense booking that doesn't make you groan, booking that doesn't make you take to social media after it and piss and moan about what happened at the latest pay-per-view, then 205 Live is some decent stuff. I mean, you're not even talking an hour, you're talking 45, 50 minutes of your time. I would give it a bash if you don't listen to it. Don't watch it, sorry. But um, I'm very out of practice of doing these sort of solo podcasts and I've not got a clue how to send off so I'm just going to let you go I hope you've enjoyed this wee sort of look into 205 Live in a bit more depth and detail maybe I'll do this again in another few months might even do stuff like this with your NXT UK scene stuff like that as well so if you enjoyed it let me know I'm at Ricky and Clive or oh sorry I should say, we are at Ricky and Clive. I'm sure Ricky will be happy with me addressing the podcast as myself. So it's at Ricky and Clive on Twitter and Facebook. We are Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on on Instagram. You can catch the rest of the Social Suplex Podcast Network shows, which are Grown Men Watch This Shit, Keeping It Strong Style, One Nation Radio and Outsider's Edge. Very regularly, we also have guests wrestlers from a lot of the independent um, companies around Florida areas and stuff like that. Drone Men Watch this shit. have some wrestlers on interviews as well. Check out the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. You've got lots of interaction with the podcast hosts yourselves as well as just sort of more frequent posters on the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. That's a good place to be. com has a subscription facility where you can subscribe to these podcasts as well as the columns that we write there as well. Um, I think that about does it. So I'll let you go and thank you for listening and I'll speak to you next week. Night-night. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time.